Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD. The money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 20 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider. I also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly radio show. We're right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net. Uh, we have a link in the top right-hand corner. You can stream us from the comforts of your home. Um, obviously, we have podcasts we've been talking a lot about, Steve. Right. Um, a lot of folks aren't able to make it uh, on Saturday morning, so they're, they go and they listen to the podcast and download them and you know, listen to us on the beach or yeah. wherever they are hanging out. It's a so. great way to do it. Also, the iPhones, you know, smartphones, you can yeah. get the TuneIn Radio app and you can listen to us there on the on the go anywhere you're at. Um, so that's another great way. So there's just a, a lot of ways to listen to the Money Doctors. There's no excuse for not getting the that's great right. information every week that we have every week for financial advice. And we got some more great things today we're going to talk about coming up here. But um, you also can email us at info at moneymd.net. We'd love to hear your questions um, or you can link to us on our website. Again, that was moneymd.net. Um, well, John, you know, we have a great show lined up for today. Um, some real important topics, too. Mm-hmm. You know, with all the volatility and things that are going on in the stock market, uh, we got a great topic about that, don't we? The market's been volatile? I, yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah, you know, I really it, noticed that. I, uh, interesting. Okay. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. I mean, it's. I think volatility's increased it, a lot it anyway it over the last has. 10 years, decade, because mm-hmm. of all the program trading. Yep. So we want to put that in perspective. Yeah, really. we're going to look back at, at history a little bit to um, to see some of the historical volatility and kind of put this whole, uh, you know, couple of months in perspective. And, uh, you know, we're not going to try to predict the market going forward. That's not possible, obviously. But looking back at history, you can you can glean some um, some good information that can maybe help you feel a little bit better about some of the some of the uh, ups and downs we're going through. Yeah, I think it's always helpful to be able to put these things in perspective historically to know, you know, is this really different than mm-hmm. what we've been through in the past? Yep. And speaking of investing, um, we have another topic here we're going to talk about, and that is why you still want to invest in America. Yeah. You know, we talked about this before, but, you know, it's there are just a lot of reasons that I think you need to be optimistic about where we are today in America, there's a lot of things to be to be very proud of and sure. to to cause you to invest. Yeah, typically in the news media, you hear the negative things, right? And we That's have headwind right. on you know rising interest rates or China and so forth. So this is an article kind of looking at some of the tailwinds, some of the positive things that are going on, and doesn't get reported a lot in the news media, but it's something to consider. Yeah, just to give you a balanced perspective of where we are today with uh, the stock market in America and why to invest. And then we're going to finish up with um, another interesting article, you know, about car buying. Mm -hmm. Um, The six things that car dealers don't want you to know. um, 
you know, I think if you're buying a car, which everybody buys a car eventually, um, there are some key things you got to know about how to go through that process. And so I'm going to give you my little synopsis of, of how to buy a car and get a great deal. Um, but we're also going to go through this article and, and talk about the six things that car dealers yep. really don't want you to know. So important information there for buying cars. And But we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yes, this comes from the uh, Social Security Administration. Um, and, and, you know, Steve, the, uh, the cost of living adjustments are an, an important part of people's income, you know, that, that are on Social Security. They rely on that increasing. That was pat, That legislation was passed in 1972. Um, and uh, there's been a cost of living increase every year except for two years. That was 2010 and 2011 because... Uh, there were low levels of inflation during right. that time frame. Well, Very low. it sounds like um, the government's going to be announcing in October that there's going to be no cost of living increase in 2016, which is going to make some people upset. Yeah, people tend to get upset. I remember back in 2010, 2011, mm-hmm. had a lot of clients that mentioned there was no increase, and they weren't happy about that. But, you know, the good news is costs really haven't gone up very much, and that's the reason they base it on the cost of living, mm-hmm. uh, the, the inflation index, basket, basket C- of goods, the CPI, yeah. and, um, you know, the fact is they measure it from from, I believe, September to September, the fiscal year, mm-hmm. um, the government's fiscal year, and I think it was zero yeah. over the last year, and it's because oil prices yeah, have gone down right. so much. If you look at the gas pump, I mean, that is a huge savings. It doesn't feel like that in the grocery store, necessarily. It feels like there is there is some inflation, but it's a it's a basket of goods, so it, it exactly. kind of averages out over uh, over the course. So, uh, yeah, no, no, no COLA adjustment. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I guess we got another half month to go here, but yeah, uh, right. still, it looks like that's where we're headed. So don't don't get too too uh, up in arms yet. Yeah, yeah, up in arms yet. We'll see what happens. All right, and that leads up to our first topic here, and that is keeping all this volatility in perspective. Um, yeah, I mean the, the stock market has been all over the place, John. So you know, what can we make of that? Yeah, this uh, this is an article from uh, Marketing Pro. We uh, subscribe to a, a service that has some pretty good information uh, periodically. And you know, Steve, volatility is uh, is certainly been back. I mean, it's been back in a pretty pretty big way. There's an index out there. It's called the CBOE VIX uh, index, and it just measures. Um, I guess it's almost like a fear factor, if you will. And it's risen by more than 100% since the end of July. And additionally, 11 of the 15 trading days ending September the 9th were an all-or-nothing day in which more than 80% of the S&P 500 moved either higher or lower. And to put that in perspective, in the last 25 years, the index has not had a 15-day period like this. So this is is unusual. It is unusual. I think people are... Are feeling a little concerned about it, um, you know. You contrast that with the first, um, you know, 160 days roughly of 2015. There were just 13 such days that occurred, and that's according to um, bespoke uh, investment group research. In fact, during the first half of 2015, the Dow Industrial Average was never more um, more than three and a half percent up or down year to date. It was on pace for the most placid year. In history, so it's interesting. Something just changed in the market, and we'll right. get into that in a minute. But it's definitely the volatility has definitely increased in the last couple of months. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how we went from one of the most calm periods yeah. in history to one of the most volatile periods in history, just like that. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll touch on the reasons why here in a minute. But yeah, in the Financial Times, um, there's a noted economist and portfolio manager. 
Il uh, Iran, I guess is his name, mm -hmm. recently identified some new factors driving these market swings. And the factors may not um, subside anytime soon, he says. You know, fundamentally, he cited that the spreading economic slowdown in China and other emerging markets was eroding the fundamental underpinnings of the high and stable asset prices here in the U.S., and it was bursting some of the asset bubbles in the process. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I I, I can see where he's talking about. Um, I think the volatility, though, I mean, just to put it in perspective, the daily volatility has gone up mm -hmm. over the last decade. There's no doubt about that because of program trading. Sure. Right? I mean, program trading has made the ability for the stock market to move fast easier, and it it, it happens more often. But I'm not so sure the monthly volatility has gone up at all. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's just a daily volatility that's really changed. Yeah, the other factor, Steve, which that you, you see in the news constantly is, um, you know, will the, the Fed raise short-term interest rates? I mean, you know, we are not in the, the, uh, the, the game of predicting things, but at some point, interest rates will rise. I mean, yeah, I think gonna... it's a pretty safe assumption. And um, so the question is, is this turbulence may persist for several more weeks or, or months, and uh, how does an investor cope with it? Uh, but, you know, one of the ways we see that uh, to, to help coping is is to put this in perspective and understand a little bit on the historical standpoint. And if your time horizon is relatively long, this particular fact may provide some encouragement. Um, a gentleman named Roger Ibbotson notes that since 1926, there have never been a 20-year stretch in which a diversified portfolio invested in large U.S. firms had a negative inflation-adjusted return. Now, we're, we're not trying to predict the future. No one can do that. That's certainly possible in the realm of investing, but it hasn't happened That's over right. a very long Since time 1926. frame. 1926. And from 1926 to 2014, such a model portfolio, uh, one that had dividends uh, included in there, yielded approximately 10% on average. So, you know, he's talking about a 20-year window. Most clients that we deal with are in their 50s and 60s, some are in their 40s. You know, we look out to life expectancy in their mid-80s. So most clients do have, you know, that 20-year window from an investing standpoint. Yeah, although they don't, you know, usually people want to see results in five years oh, or sure. three years. Yeah, yeah. You know, they don't want to wait 20 years. No, definitely not. But the truth is you have to have that kind of perspective, though, you know, looking over your lifetime, mm -hmm. you know, and make logical decisions about what's going to get you there. And the stock market has always proven to be the tool to do that. Yeah, I mean, these recent up and ups and downs, you know, the question is, how do they compare to others? And on uh, August 24th, you know, the S&P 500 lost 3.2%. It was down more than 4% during the course of the day. And that was that was a little bit unnerving mm -hmm. for a lot of people, um, but not quite so extraordinary when you put it in perspective, because it was the fifth day, the 55th day since 1983 in which the index had dropped more than three and a half percent or more during the trading session. So it's not that unusual. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely happened um, you know, dozens of times over time. So um, I think we'll, I guess, cover the rest of this when we come back from our from our break. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call here at Richard Young Associates, um, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Money, 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 money
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about keeping the volatility in perspective with the stock market. You know, um, John, there's just been a tremendous amount of volatility here recently. And, uh, but you know, if you look back at history, it's really not that unusual. Mm-hmm. And over time, it all kind of washes out, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, you, you know, a couple of the stats we looked at, uh, um, you know, the, the market on August the 24th was down 3.2%. Um, it's been down 3.5% 55 times since 1983. So, again, that's not unprecedented. Um, you know, Ibbotson, who, uh, who's a um, researcher in the industry, talks about, uh, 20-year stretches, there's never been a negative uh, inflation-adjusted total return. So it's where focusing on you know your planning and focusing long-term. Uh, it's so easy. We were just talking about during the break, uh, you know, people are focused daily. That's right. right. They're connected through their iPhones and, and TV and so forth. And it just it'll, it begins to wear on you a little bit. It starts to um, get you to make, you know, some, some rash decisions. And so one of the questions that we have a lot of times from clients is, you know, how has the S&P 500 index uh, recovered from some of these difficult days that we've seen? And so historically speaking, it's recovered uh, more often than not, uh, obviously. Looking at the 12-month period after the preceding 54, um, you know, trading days, there were 45 that had year-over-year advances, and there were nine that had year-over-year retreats. Okay, so there's some history, some precedents here. And so the question is, is how far did the S&P fall uh, on average during those 12-month retreats? And the answer is about 7.7%. So, you know, there's obviously going to be some that are much higher than that. And that's what scares people, I think, when you start looking back at history. And how high did it rise on average? During those 45 annualized ascents, um, you know, over 20%. I mean, it was a very big number. So when history tells us nothing of tomorrow, it it does seem that the S&P has recovered, you know, amazingly well from the bulk of its major one-day drops in the past 32 years. So, you know, like we were talking about, um, there will be additional volatility going forward. It's the, it's the, I think it's the way the market is structured with program trading. Um, it's a part of investing. And it's a part of understanding um, that there will be volatility. And, and, you know, as we were talking about, the volatility doesn't seem to have increased from a monthly standpoint or even an annual standpoint. But the day-to-day is definitely impacts people. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you just got to keep in perspective, you know, when you have a correction like we had here recently, um, you know, there's still there, there's there's still always a better chance that it's going to recover <clears throat> and then it's going to move on the new highs than there is that it's going to continue to go down. You know, if you look back at the corrections we've had over the past, you know, 50 years and and even longer time periods, most of those corrections recover pretty quickly. And I I think the thing that people struggle with, Steve, is um, they always feel like now is different. Right. I mean, yeah, we hear that's that, right. That's you right. Know, we hear it all the time. It's 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 different times, and and, and it is. And in, in every situation that we look back historically, that there has been a correction or a bear market, those times have been different as well. The thing that's not different is it has always recovered a hundred percent of the time. That's right. If you've been in a diversified portfolio, um, it has recovered historically. We think it will going forward as well. We obviously can't predict that, but you know, just having a plan, you know, knowing that the markets have been through this before. Be diversified and, uh, you know, talk to your advisor. I think that's a, that's the best strategy. And even though the triggers are always different, the re the reasons behind, you know, the market moves are mm-hmm. different. Um, the, the fundamentals and the results 
are not really that different. Yeah, that's right. You know, they follow trends. They follow fundamentals. They're true over time, and markets do recover over time. At least they always have. Yeah. You know, there are no guarantees, but they always have. Right. So keep that in perspective. Okay, well, that leads up here to the question of the week. Yeah, this question I had from a young lady this last um, last week, and the question was is she had inherited some money from her grandmother and kind of sitting down looking at her situation, and um, she was – she actually wanted to come in to, to invest, and I encouraged her to uh, to not do that, hold off a little bit. She wants to go to school, and so then the, the t- uh, conversation went from should I get a loan or should I use some of that money from the inheritance to pay for school and absolutely said don't get a loan, you know, keep an emergency fund, but also use some of that to pay sure. um, you know, for your schooling. So I really encouraged her to, to obviously the schooling will be good if she can get a skill understand what job is on the other end don't just go get a degree for anything but um, her time to invest will come at some point it's just not right now so the answer to the question is is yes take some of that money and and put it towards the school cost cash flow it um, and don't get a loan yeah i mean what better purpose for inherited money like that than to get a great education that you have with you your entire life it can never be taken away from you and but you got to make sure it's an effective education just like you mentioned one where you can get a job and you know that the cost of the education is going to be worth the benefit of the higher pay and the job that you get on the other end. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, you know, besides that, I mean, what a great use for that money. Yeah, I think grandmother would probably be happy with that. I'm sure she'd be very happy with that. So that's a great question of the week. Okay, and that leads up to our next topic here, and that is um, – you know, why you still want to invest in America, <laughs> John, I mean... This is a little rah-rah segment, right? That's right. I mean, this is a little cheerleading segment here because, you know, I have to admit, I mean, when you listen to the news now, you know, it's it's depressing. Um, you might want to bury your money in the backyard. Mm-hmm. You know, we're into this po- political season again, and, uh, you know, politicians, they always talk down the economy. They talk down the country because they're trying to incite change. Um, so you hear a lot of talking heads in the media, you know, just describing how awful the economy is and, you know, how our future is bleak. Um, and, of course, there's, you know, the other things on the global scale mm-hmm. that are going on. You know, there's things over in Europe and there's the constant threat of terrorism and ISIS and all that kind of stuff China. that's out there. Out China. There. Mm-hmm. You're hearing all the bad news <clears throat> from there. Um, but, you know, there's another side to this, too. Right. I mean, if we step back and really think about it. You know, countries like North Korea, they don't have an illegal immigration problem, do they? No, they don't. <laughs> Nobody wants to go there. Yeah, apparently this is a pretty good place to, to come. And, apparently. And it is. I think it's the, the best place on world in, on the earth. I think we're very, very fortunate. And think about it. Steve Jobs, he didn't grow up in France, right? No. When he came up with the, uh, the uh, innovative ways to change the world and make life easier. So, you know, there's something to be said about the U.S. and its creativity. That's exactly right. I mean, great country, great companies we have like Pfizer, you know, they didn't they didn't come from uh, China, you know. There aren't some company there that makes $50 billion a year from great drugs like, you know, Viagra and Lipitor, mm-hmm. and some of the ones that are celebrated out there. And you can be sure older men all over the world are very happy for those drugs <laughs> that have been created, you know, they can... Otherwise, they wouldn't still be eating their cheeseburgers and enjoying their married life. So, uh, you know, that's why it is that people are – I don't know. I mean, so why is it that people are yeah, so down know. on America? It's in the news. I mean, it's just out there. There's just negative, negative, negative. I mean – That's exactly right. So we're here you to know? give you some positive. We're here to give you some positive, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean – 
And I have to ask myself, why do the liberals think that our capitalistic system is so easy, evil and that it takes away opportunities for the poor? Because it's, it's really not true, you know? I mean, we're, so we're going to dig into the microeconomics a little bit about this, talk about, you know, how great our system is and why you still want to invest in America um, and if the stock market is still worth investing in, mm-hmm. which obviously we think it is. Um, so what are the alternatives, though? You know, um, I, I recently took a trip to Europe, mm-hmm. as you know, John, and, um, you know, when you go over there to Europe or any other country, I think, and you look at their system compared to ours, their opportunities compared to ours, it is crystal clear that we are living the American dream, mm-hmm. you know. And, in fact, I read a bunch of articles in their newspapers and things, and, you know, there was one travel article that really stuck out to me about a lady over there that, that traveled to the U.S., and she was talking about the Grand Canyon and traveling to the U.S., and it was it was interesting to read their perspective of how great she thought it was. Mm. You know, everything in America is bigger. It's it's a lot less costly. You know, great value, and it's just it was just she described it as the American dream. Yeah, you know, and that's driven and by capitalism. That's right. I mean, that's it. That's it. You know, and you look at their 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 NHS. They call it their national health system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is nowhere close to as good as our health system here in the U.S., even albeit all the faults and the fact we have to pay for it and stuff. You know, most people don't even use their national health system. You know, if they have money, they go they go private Um, and there's long waits and, you know, the care is not not that great in a lot of cases. Um, You know, their, their taxes are a lot higher. Over there in Europe, they're, they're fifty over fifty thousand dollars. You're in a forty percent tax bracket. Wow! So where the average person here is in like a fifteen yeah. percent tax bracket, all the way up to you know almost ninety thousand of gross income for a married couple. Twenty five percent goes way up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're more than double that. Wow, that's that's surprising. It is. It is. And then there's a twenty percent VAT tax in most of the countries over there. Um, Value added tax that's built into all the goods and services you buy. So there's just a tremendous amount of reasons why America has a huge leg up on most countries, including Europe. So uh, we'll talk more about this when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back with these messages and Gina News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marvin, a certified financial planner, and we're with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider. We're going to continue our discussion here before the break about why you still want to invest in America. Mm-hmm. John, you know, I mean, when you when you read the news and you listen to the talking heads and the financial media, you know, they're always talking down America, making it sound like we're you know, on the road to, I don't know, you know, the abyss. Yeah, it's and, just not uh, positive at all. It's not. It's not. And you kind of lose perspective when you start listening to this over and over, day after day, about how great America really is. Mm-hmm. Despite our problems, despite what we've been through, um, you know, we are by far the best country on earth, I believe. And we have the best economy in a lot of ways of any major, in any large country. 
And, um, you know, so there are a lot of reasons why you still want to invest in America and why you need to have a, a more balanced, positive outlook, I think, on America and on investing in America and where, where America is headed. Um, you know, and hopefully this election will, will help, um, you know, point us in the right direction. But despite that, we have a tremendously strong economy, and it's proven that. You know, we've come back from uh, uh, really horrific, uh, mm-hmm. you know, financial crisis, you know, seven years ago, sure, eight great, years ago. Great recession. Great recession. 9-11. Exactly. It came back Tech from 9-11. I mean, so there have been so many things throughout history that we've recovered from, and it's because our economy is so great and so strong. Capitalism brings us back. You know, and now we're back down to to a pretty low unemployment rate, and there are a lot of positives in the economy as a result of that, um, despite the, the the headwinds that we've faced. And so I was just talking about, you know, I recently uh, traveled to Europe, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, comparing us to Europe is like night and day in a lot of ways. Um, you know, everything over there is very expensive. I looked at housing. It's like four to 500 pounds per square foot for a house over there. I mean, it's unbelievable, really, how much it costs. So many people can't even afford to mm-hmm. to buy a house. You know, they have to rent their entire lives. So that translates into $600 a square foot? Yeah, 700. I mean, in, in U.S. dollars, that's right, because right. it was pounds. You know, pounds like $1.4 U.S. dollars. And so um, it, it was just, it's unbelievable how much things cost over there. Um, gas over here is a lot cheaper um, you know, everything you buy over here in America. Lower taxes. Lower taxes by far. I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, taxes are 40% on the average household making over about 50 pounds per per year over there from what I could see. And so, you know, we have a lot of positive things over here that is um, that really, I think, drives our economy and, and makes us still, you know, the American dream. Mm-hmm. And I think we just need to keep that in perspective. Um, also, we used to have an exchange student in Russia, uh, from Russia. Her name was Taya, who stayed with us during her high school years. And she still comes back and visits. And and so I get a fresh perspective from her about once a year whenever she comes back and, you know, stays with us over Christmas. And she stayed with us some this past summer. And, uh, you know, she was just reaffirming, you know, how great the American dream was and, you know, how she was hoping she could come back and she could stay here after she graduated college. Oh, I bet. And, um, you know, her, her parents are, well, her, her mom's a doctor over there in Russia, and she makes less than just the average person over here mm-hmm. doing nothing. I mean, she makes like less than $3,000 per month Wow, um, being a doctor over there. Um, so... You know, and things are very, very expensive over there. Everything's tremendously expensive. They live in a high-rise condo, which is a nice one over there, but still, it's mm-hmm. it's it's very modest, like twelve hundred square feet compared to what we would have over here. And um, you know, an iPhone over there costs over a thousand dollars. So everything is just very, very expensive over there. We live in a great country, I guess is the point here. Yeah, no doubt. And so. You know, capitalism has is really what has made our country great economically, and it will drive us, I believe, into the 21st century, um, and, and it will drive us to continue to have the best opportunities for investments, but also personally in our personal lives. Um, you know, there's only one reason why China, uh, you know, has begun emerging from the third world economy, and it's because of their embrace of capitalism. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and when you allow people to prosper from their efforts and for taking risk, it drives economic activity. That is a that is economics 101. Yeah, that's right. And when you think about capitalism, Steve, I mean, one of the things that drives folks to come up with um, with new inventions and new technologies is, uh, you know, the the uh, carrot, the huge carrot at the end. You think about Bill Gates and, and Steve Jobs. They probably would nev- never have created the computers or the iPhone if they w- didn't think they could prosper from it. So there is a, a monetary for a lot of people, and I think they get to a certain point where that doesn't drive them. But initially... You know, that's a big piece of it. Yeah, it initially encourages people to take risk mm-hmm. and to step out there and, and try to create something that they can prosper from. And uh, eventually millions of people benefit, you know, just like, you know, the AIDS vaccine that, you know, Burroughs Welcome created, you know, and they made billions of dollars from it. Um, but, you know, you hear politicians and liberals all the time complaining about the wealth disparity um, here in America, well, the truth is wealth disparities is really a good thing because that is the carrot that causes people to work hard and take risk that they can, the fact that they can become wealthy at some point down the road. You know, the media American household has more cars, TVs, radios, computers than any other large country. Um, so, you know, I mean, liberals, they're for the lottery, but they don't want Exxon to prospect, profit from oil exploration, even though that creates jobs, I think we have to keep it in perspective and realize that you have to have the risk takers in the world. Um, you know, they have to have, be able to hit the jackpot occasionally or there's not going to be any more risk takers to invest in America. So, um, you know, if taxes go up to 70 percent, the, the carrot just got a lot smaller and mm-hmm. the grindstone is going to be harder to push as it is in Europe. Yeah, look at Greece. Exactly. <laughs> that's a great example. And that's the reason why our economy mm-hmm. always bounces back and thrives. So, you know, I think you just have to uh, you have to realize that 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 risk is there because of the reward at the end of that. Yeah, and you look at, um, you know, some of the um, life-altering drugs that are coming out of U.S. companies. You don't see those coming out of Russia or Spain or even China, for that matter. And and I'm not sure why people don't get that. It's basic economics, and I don't think a lot of folks in, in, uh, that, you know, making some of these policy decisions necessarily understand the economics. I mean, there's some differences, I think, in opinion up there, but um, capitalism is hard to argue with. It really is. So, I mean, so what if, you know, we slip into some kind of recession or some kind of depression, you know, does capitalism make a difference, you know, and and is that something to worry about long term? And I think the answer is absolutely capitalism makes a huge difference. You know, I mean, we have a lot of things going for us here. We have an energy revolution that's driving Mm us um, jobs and is driving manufacturing here back to the U.S. as a result of capitalism. Um, you know, we're now exporting natural gas. We have a glut of oil. Gas is cheap here in the U.S. And that is because of things that have happened here in the U.S. as a result of capitalism that have, you know, opened new windows of opportunity and in new ways of, um, you know, that all consumers benefit. Um, so, you know, I mean, the U.S. has the second highest disposable income of of all the countries out of like 189 countries in yeah. the world. And capitalism is a driver. It's the reason why we have one of the highest standards of living in the world. I mean, think about it. We have 5% of the world's population and over 35% of the wealth. I mean, it's it's a testament. You can't it really argue is. with that. It really is. I mean, our poverty level is above the median income for most countries around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, company, companies like Google, who have you know created the first 
you know, fully automated driving vehicle that's that's probably going to revolutionize transportation at some point. Um, you know, it, it's incredible, and it's a result of capitalism. You know, that's what drives innovations through risk and through reward. And I think it will drive our economy going forward and the stock market going forward. Um, it will it will create new opportunities as it has. And that's one of the reasons why I am very optimistic on America. I'm very optimistic on the stock market yeah. long term. Well, you have the combination of technology, um, you know, new products coming out. That not only helps Americans, but also it goes into countries like Africa and China and India and, and helps, helps people that don't have clean water. I mean, stuff that you and I take for, for granted that, you know, that's where the profits are going to come from. That's exactly right. Yeah. So the takeaways here are, you know, I believe America will recover from, you know, whatever issues we have, you know, debt issues, um, economic issues. We've already recovered from a, you know, a large degree from the economic, uh, you know, recession mm-hmm. back from seven years ago. But we, we still have the greatest system um, of government and the economy in the world, and that's going to drive opportunities going forward. It really is. I mean, the market's the cheapest, um, you know, compared to history in a lot of ways. It is at least cheap. I'll right. put it that way relative right. to history. Profits are the highest for U.S. Company, countries, companies here in the U.S. they've ever been. Um, history shows that periods like this are usually followed by periods of growth. And so, um, you know, I, I wouldn't bail on the stock market. I mean, your retirement plan, I'd stay invested in a well-diversified portfolio long term. The result is I think you're going to prosper if yeah, you do that. too. So, all right, well, that leads up to break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call, Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider. And we are going to uh, start off our last segment here with the prescription of the week. Yeah, this has to do with um, uh, really auto insurance. Um, you can do life insurance on this as well, uh, homeowners. But if you haven't repriced it lately, go go check it out. Go make some phone calls. I just got my notice in the mail um, you know, for the six-month uh, renewal, and it's gone up 7 or 8%. So I'm going to make some phone calls and... Um, you know, it's it's not only went up, but the the value of my vehicles went down. So it's really more of a probably a ten percent increase. So I just want to understand it. I mean, you know, the company I'm with has to make money and profit, and talked about capitalism. So I'm okay with that. But you know, um, if they're likely not going to reduce the rates if you don't call and ask. So, That's right. Um, you know, look, yeah, look to check make into it. Doesn't Re- hurt. Reprice it exactly. All yeah. they can say is no. That's right. Doesn't hurt at all. So good. Prescription of the week. Okay, and that leads up to our last topic here, and that is the six things that car dealers don't want you to know. Um, you know, when it comes to buying new cars, John, I mean, there are some fundamentals that you have to know and do ahead of time or be prepared for 
when you walk into that car dealership, right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. This this is a good article. It's uh, from Kelly Blue Book, and um, we're going to put our, our money doctor spin on it as we go through it a little bit. It's got some good good uh, tips. And, you know, if you look at um, today's car shoppers, Steve, there's a lot of information out there. Uh, it's really hard harder to... Um, to confuse or trick people, but there's still there's still some some things that we're going to talk about here. And of course, not all salespeople are out to, to trick you, but there are some things that um, you know historically they've they've wanted you to to try to add on to cars, and you know so they've tried to make it confusing so they can have a higher price price tag. So we're going to dive right into it here. Yeah, right. I mean, so here are the six things here, and and somewhere throughout this, I want to give you my little four step process for getting. A great deal on a car, but you know the first one they point out here is you know the dealership oftentimes will tell you that they're selling it to you for just over maybe three hundred dollars over invoice or over cost. Um, the, the point here is look up the invoice price yourself, and you know they'll tell you to do that. In fact, because they want to point to the invoice price and they want to base everything off of invoice price mm-hmm. and try to make you think you're getting a great deal, but you need to realize that. Dealers get things like dealer holdback allowances and and other dealer incentives that are their true profit in their deal. And they're hoping that you'll trade in a car, and that's another big part of their profit. Um, So, you know, don't fall for the idea of just focusing on the invoice price and thinking that you're getting it for $300 of invoice, so it must be a great deal. Right, right. That's good. The next one here is... You have to decide today. The price is only good today. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the pressure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's not just with cars. That goes for anything. So if someone says that, um, I would almost say walk away. Exactly. Um, you know, that price is generally going to be good anytime. And if you've done your research and so forth, you can know if it's a good price or not. Uh, sometimes there will be a price at the end of the month. They're trying to hit their sales goal. So that, that could be true. But generally, I mean, the price is going to be good in a week or two weeks. They want to sell cars. They do. So, um, you know, just be careful with that one. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, you know, another trick that they'll have is they sell, say they're a different type of dealership. You know, they have the no haggle pricing uh, scheme, if you will, you know, so that there's no haggle pricing, this guaranteed pricing, as they might want to say. So they want you to believe that that's the bottom line price. There's no need to shop around. You know, this is the absolute best they can deal do, mm-hmm. and, and you don't need to negotiate. Um, you know, that's not usually true when you get right down to it. You know, they, they, they can still negotiate around that price. And then there's all kind of add-on fees that they want to throw in there on top of that price. You know, an administration fee, document fee, things like that. Um, so don't fall for the trick that this is the bottom line, no haggle price. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't work like that. The next one here on the list is um, bad news. You didn't qualify for that interest rate. <laughs> you know, so they, they give you a good deal, and then it's based on getting a low rate. Well, the way that they can make additional profit is increasing the uh, the interest rate associated with it. Um, so, you know, if, if that's the case, again, you may want to walk away, um, maybe do some research, have a uh, financing officer uh, at a credit union that you've already talked with, or how about this? How about pay cash? That's a great idea. What a novel idea, yeah, John. That way you don't have to, to worry about the interest rate piece of it. So the interest rate is something they, they will, and it makes a big difference when you look at it over you know four, five, six years. Uh, it can be hundreds, if not thousands of dollars more. Yeah, if you're going to finance it. I mean, already have that set up outside with mm-hmm. your credit union. You know, So when you go in there, you know you got financing. And if they can beat it, fine. But you know, don't rely on their financing because they'll use that as a tool to manipulate you. 
That's a good one. And then another one here is, um, but everybody pays this vehicle preparation fee, you know, or this document fee. They'll have all kind of fees they'll want to throw in there at the last minute, and they'll say, but, oh, everybody pays that. You know, that's on top of the price we negotiated. Um, Don't fall for that. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to get an out-the-door price, all-in price, when you go to a dealership. You You don't want to deal with... You know, some negotiated price that doesn't include all the extras they're going to throw in there at the last minute. So you want to you want to make them come up with a one price, and then you want to force them to stick to that price. Yeah. Um, the hard thing is, is people get attached to that vehicle, and they're sitting there getting ready to sign, and you know, exactly three hundred dollars, and they're like, oh, oh yeah. Well. well, you know, and then maybe this is a good time for me to go back to my simple philosophy of how to buy a car sure and and you know so let me do that right now you know just throw this in here i have four steps that i would suggest for buying a car write these down if you're looking to buy a car soon the first one is you decide what car you're going to buy before you ever go sit down with the salesperson mm-hmm. you know you figure that out with the internet you know go look at your friend's cars you can go look at a showroom but don't sit down with the salesperson just tell them you're just looking but, you know, you can even test drive one. But, again, don't sit down. You know, do it when you don't have enough time to sit down with them. <laughs> and then and then walk away. And then figure out what car you want before you ever get serious about buying it. Okay, so you know that, number one. Number two is don't ever confuse a deal with a trade-in. Mm-hmm. Don't take yeah. a trade-in in there. Messy. You know, muddies the waters. It muddies the waters, and that's where they're going to they're gonna get you. They're going to make a huge profit on your trade-in. They're never going to give you private party value for your trade-in. you got to sell that separately. Don't confuse the deal with a trade-in. Um, that's number two. Number three is find the car at other dealerships over the Internet and get three competitive prices. You know, always have three total prices, you know, maybe the one you're looking at locally and then maybe two others that are 50 Mm -hmm. miles away or Mm -hmm. something. But get three prices, all in prices that include everything. Right. And then the fourth one is simple. You know, then you got it. I mean, the the deal is done. Then you just pick the lowest one and you got to go in and be willing to walk away if they change it. Yeah, that's the hard part. It is hard. It's emotional. You, it you, is. You drive it. You had the leather. You know. Well, you, you can go drive it. That's fine. But I know, you know it's you, emotional to walk away. It's hard, but you have to go in there with the mindset that if it doesn't follow with what they told me, I'm going to walk away. Yeah, you got an all-in price includes tax, title, document fees, mm-hmm, everything. everything. And you know, you bring in. I mean, sometimes I'll pre-write the check. I'll say, okay, well, I'm coming in. So you told me this was, you know, thirty-two thousand four hundred ninety-five dollars, right? So mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and write the check, and I'm bringing it in. And you know, you have the check there, and you know, or or whatever. But either way, you stick to that price. Mm-hmm. Don't let them tack on three hundred dollars for some window tinting or you know lug nuts or something that they claim at the last undercoating. minute. Undercoating. Yeah. Oh, we didn't realize this had undercoating. You know, yeah, we, we right. put that. That's three. $345. No, don't fall for that trick. Forget that. Just tell them, I'm sorry. You know, this is the price we agreed on. You you already, you had to know that was already on there. If you didn't, too bad. You know, I'm going to go to X, Y, and Z because right. they have this price. So it's only $50 more than you. Yeah. So, yeah. so the research, that's a good one. And, and then the walk away. I think that's so key. Really with anything that you're buying, if you're negotiating, if you... You know, you got to have walk away. Do not fall in love with that item, whether exactly. it's a car or a TV or a house or whatever. You've got to have that walk away power. So that's good. And um, you know, the last one, Steve, that we see sometimes is, you know, if you if you'll buy a car, we'll uh, pay off your loan, 
on your trade-in. And that sounds real good, right? <clears throat> yeah, right. To kind of open up the door for you to, to buy something from them. But what happens sometimes is the dealership might try to roll your current loan into into the new one. So, um, Or it might delay paying off your loan, sticking you with late payments which, uh, while it enjoys what amounts to an interest-free loan. So you just got to make sure that you understand the details associated with it. What we recommend is... Every single month, put some money aside for a car purchase in the future. Exactly. Right. Don't have loans. I mean, Dave Ramsey is a huge advocate of, of not having any car loans. And you listen to his show, and most people, many people that call in have car loans. And so they're paying money out to other people versus putting things towards their retirement, their college, emergency funds, things like that. So don't – don't cars – depreciate right it's a depreciating they don't asset that's they need right to get you from point a to point b it's nice to have a fun one but it's more fun to have no payments that's exactly right the fact is if you still have a car loan you can't afford to buy a new car mm-hmm. you that's shouldn't right. be going to a dealership if you still have a car loan on your old car you know you got to pay that off before you go in yep. that's the bottom line so <laughs> so Boy, you're to tough man bear of bad news <laughs> that's right Anyway, all right, great topic, though. And that does bring us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, children of Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Jesus!